It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. I uh, hope you had a great weekend. Welcome in Spears on Sports, presented by M&M Carnage. John Spears in studio. It is Monday, June 12th. <sighs> this is a time of year where there's just nothing great going on sports-wise. We didn't have any NBA over the weekend after Friday night. We had an NHL game Saturday night. Had some golf, RBC Canadian Open. That got fun at the at the very end. But this is a difficult time to talk sports for an hour. I don't know how Rutherford does it for three hours. I don't know how any of these guys do it for two or three hours. I don't understand it. But I'll try out to give you a solid hour today. Got a couple shout-outs today as well. So we'll get to that. Eminem Cartage Hotline is open, 502-384-1450 if you'd like to join in on the conversation. 384-1450 is that number. Thornton's text line open as well, 502-414-1450. If you're looking for an icy cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction, stop by Thornton's now where all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. That's right, 89 cents for 32 ounces. That's less than 3 cents an ounce. Can't beat that. Come in today, grab a fountain drink, and hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. I already got a text. What about Cats baseball? Well, it was fun while it lasted. 22-3 to was the aggregate score down in Baton Rouge. Kentucky loses 14-0. It was a bizarre weekend down there because the game was scheduled for 3 o'clock on Saturday, and it got delayed till 9 o'clock, and there was no rain, and it started even later than that, and there was no rain. It was very bizarre, and the two coaches, LSU's coach and uh, Mingione from Kentucky, are supposedly really good friends, so I don't know what was going on. Well, there's a cell in the area. There's lightning not too far away. We think it's coming this way. The skies are going to open at any moment. And it never rained. And the, the lightning was minimal. But for some reason, the game was delayed over six hours. Now, a lot of people speculating that it was, it was you know, not right, unfair. LSU trying to get some sort of advantage. I guess it worked. LSU won the game 14 to nothing. So I'm going to have to assume it worked. And then the Cats lose last night 8-3. to Looks a great season, 40-21. and And Coach Mingione now has a process. Go to the transfer portal. It worked this year. Last year was awful. And you can recruit all you want in baseball, but when that transfer portal opened, he went and got as many good players as he could now the key is keep them and go get some more out of the portal. Keep the guys who are eligible to play again that can play, that you have proven can play. They finished 40 and 21. It was a great season. Great season. Two wins away from the College World Series. And we'll see if they can do it again. And that's my two minutes of college baseball. Six of the eight teams uh, have been decided that are going to Omaha. 
You got two more games today. Uh, obviously, Kentucky fan is pulling for Tennessee to get beat. Tennessee's playing a Southern Miss in a uh, winner goes to Omaha game tonight at uh, 6 o'clock. And then Stanford and Texas in the Stanford Super Regional will play at 8 o'clock. And both of those games are on the ESPN bevy of networks. You don't have to have ESPN Plus if you'd like to watch either of those games. SEC's doing quite well. Thank you very much. Florida's in. Obviously, uh, LSU is in. Wake Forest, 22-5 to over Alabama yesterday. They hit nine home runs. They're the number one team in the country. They are the number one team in the country. Virginia's in. That's two ACC schools. Now you got Oral Roberts and you got in uh, TCU. So tonight you could get another SEC team. You could get the first Big 12 team, which would be Texas. I'm sorry, TCU's in. Uh, and you could get the only Pac-12 team, which would be Stanford. So that's where we stand there. But this is not a show that is going to talk a lot about college baseball. It's just not. Uh, I will talk a little bit about the Bats because they are on this network. They went to Columbus this weekend and won 7-3 and 10-9 and were postponed yesterday. Back in action at Slugger Field tomorrow night. They keep winning, even though the Reds keep plucking the players. Matt McClain, Ellie De La Cruz, pitching staff, everybody getting called up. And the Bats end up with Joey Votto. Nick Senzel is now down on an uh, injury rehab assignment. They're switching teams, and guess what? The Reds are better for it. They took two out of three from St. Louis this weekend. By the way, St. Paul comes to uh, Slugger Field tomorrow for a six-game set starting at 6.35 tomorrow night. Pre-game 6.05 right here on the Big A. We have NBA championship possibility tonight. The series may end tonight. Miami at Denver. Denver up three games to one after two road wins, two convincing road wins. Am I going to stay on the Miami bandwagon or not? Is it time to jump off? I don't have much time left to jump off here. I liked them in game two. I liked them in game one. They almost covered. I liked them in game two. They won outright. I liked them in game three. and No, I liked Denver in game three. I take it back. And Denver did cover game three. But I liked Miami in game four. Desperation mode tonight. Denver's giving up nine tonight. I'm probably going to take Miami again. I haven't decided, but I'm probably going to take Miami. That's a lot of points when you are in desperation, elimination, no tomorrow mode. And that's where Miami's at right now. But Denver's the best team. This series is over. Now, it may not be over tonight. Probably it's over tonight. Denver is a nine-point favorite, and Vegas does know what they're doing. But this series, I know you never say never. Ask the 2004 Red Sox. I get all that, but this series is over. Series is over. If Denver doesn't win tonight, they'll probably win in Miami. Miami can't win at home. They couldn't win at home in the Boston series. They could win in Boston. And they haven't been able to win at home in this series yet. 
So we'll break down Friday's game a little bit. Look ahead. I'll give you a pick for tonight. I got my over-unders. It's too bad Justin's not here for this, but I got my over-unders tonight. And uh, we'll get to those as well. Kentucky basketball did sign a player this morning or yesterday. Jordan Burke, 6'9", small forward, three-star out of Decatur, Alabama. Formerly, he was committed to Ole Miss. Um, nobody's jumping up and down here in Big Blue Nation. They're not. This is a three-star player. Cal, Cal doesn't even look at three-star players. Remember? Five-star, one and done, that's it. Times sure have changed here on Walton's Mountain. Because Jordan Burke's not a great shooter. He's an athlete. He's got size. He's got wingspan. He'll help. He'll help a team that only has seven scholarship players right now. He'll be the eighth. But this is not the splash that John Calipari had hoped for. Even in the transfer portal, Arthur Kaluma, the uh, Creighton big man, decided Kansas State over some other schools, among them Kentucky. When you pick Kansas State over Kentucky out of the uh, transfer portal, that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. And Cal got even more defensive with a video today about not having an NIL collective. Louisville, on the other hand, announced today that 40 of their student-athletes have uh, been signed into the 502 collective. They are doing the NIL work and making it worthwhile for all of these student-athletes. It's not just basketball and football, men's basketball and football. It's all the athletes over all the programs. And Kentucky doesn't have anything like that. And Cal doesn't want anything like that. His logic is, I don't want anybody telling me who to play, which players to put on the floor. And that's what that would do in his estimation. He doesn't want anybody telling him what assistant coaches to hire. I hire the coaches. I get the players in here. I play who should be playing without any prejudice. Whoever gives us the best chance to win. And for some reason, he believes that if there's an NIL collective at his university, he wouldn't be making those decisions anymore. That's ludicrous. Of course he would be making those decisions. They're not paying him that kind of money to not make those decisions. So a little back and forth today between Louisville and Kentucky. Hey, look, we signed all these athletes to our 502 collective NIL deal, 40 of them. All the, and we have to make sure we call them student athletes, right? Yeah, got to make sure of that. We signed them, signed them all, getting them paychecks, keeping them gainfully employed here at the University of Louisville. And Kentucky fires back, Cal fires back. Yeah, we don't need that. Well, we'll see who's right in the next few years. Maybe it'll be Kyle. Maybe it'll be Kenny Payne. I don't know. I can't predict the future, although I try. I'm going to try to tell you who wins the Denver-Miami game tonight. It's getting very interesting. And I think Kentucky fan is a little alarmed when you sign a three-star shoot uh, small forward who's not a great shooter to help fill out your roster, which is talented but small. It's a talented roster of incoming freshmen, 
but your only returning players are two guys whose names I can barely pronounce, Adu Thiero and Onyansu. Uh, I'll stop there. Times are tough in Lexington. Times are tough, basketball-wise. Football-wise, it seems like Mark Stoops and Vince Marrow and Liam Cohen, they sure know how to work the portal. Mingione at Kentucky Baseball, he sure knows how to work the portal. It's only Cal that doesn't know how to use the portal and the NIL. Because Kentucky went and got the best quarterback, in my opinion, available in the portal. They went and got Devin Leary from North Carolina State. And they brought back Liam Cohen to do with Leary what he did with uh, the other quarterbacks when he was there. Well, the quarterback when he was there. That's what they've done. That's why they brought him back. That's why they brought Cohen back. That's why Devin Leary, I think, agreed to come in. He knew Liam Cohen was coming back. He knew it. And they've gotten other guys in the portal. Mark Stoops got it figured out. John Calipari is stubborn. He's done it his way for a long, long time. A long time. And he's been successful. Now, Kentucky fan may argue with the word successful. Only one title. But they've been to a bunch of Final Fours. And I will go to my grave saying this over and over again. I count Final Fours probably more than, at least as much as, I count national championships. Once you get to the Final Four, anything can happen. Anything can happen. And obviously, St. Peter's, Kansas State, some of the schools Virginia's lost to, Purdue losing to Fairleigh Dickinson, things can happen in the first four rounds as well. I get that. But your goal every year, every year, should be let's get to the Final Four and see what happens. And Calipari has had a lot of success getting his teams to the Final Four. But some Kentucky fan would argue one championship's not enough. And Cal doesn't help the argument when he talks about putting guys in the NBA and the billions of dollars these guys are making in the NBA and not making it about Kentucky titles. UK fan gets irate about that. And I get it. I get it. When Patino was here, he talked about titles. When Joe B. Hall was here, he talked about winning titles. Tubby Smith knew, I got to get out of here. All they want to do is win championships. That's, that's a lot harder. It's a lot easier said than done. Cal doesn't even talk about it. He doesn't even acknowledge it. His first order of business, and he said it forever, is get these guys to the next level. This is a player's program. We are here for these players. Basically saying, we're here for them. They're not here for us. If they're here for us, yes, we need to win titles, but we're here for them. We need to get them that second contract in the NBA. And you turn on the game tonight, and you're going to see Jamal Murray, and you're going to see Bam Adebayo, and you're going to see Tyler Hero over there sitting on the bench. And Carl Anthony Towns is going to make a big splash. I don't know who's going to sign him this offseason, but he's going to get some money. He's going to get paid. 
all of these guys got paid. John Wall got paid, and he doesn't hardly he can't hardly see the floor anymore. Texas says, John, it's not surprising that Cal doesn't understand how to use the portal. A few years back, he used to brag about how he didn't understand how to use a computer. Said he had his ki- had to get his kids to show him how to do even the most basic things. Should have been a hint that he may not adapt to something new. He does have trouble adapting. But here's a guy that also, if you remember, got fired from the New Jersey Nets. Got fired because he wanted to do it his way. And I'll be damned I'm doing it my way. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. And once he got fired, it got even worse. I'm doing it my way at Memphis. I'm doing it my way at Kentucky. And we're going to win that way. And Memphis went to a national championship game. If they make free throws, they beat Kansas. But they didn't make free throws. But look who's in the NBA. Look at the number of guys that are making dollar, making bank in the NBA. Anthony Davis. Carl Anthony Towns. Even Willie Cauley-Stein made some green. Right? Devin Booker. Jamal Murray. Bam Adebayo. Dexter says, Cal didn't have any trouble adapting to the one and done. That's true. No truer words have ever been spoken. Cal was at the forefront of one and done. It wasn't Coach K. It wasn't Bill Self. It wasn't Roy Williams. They came along for the ride later when they realized that was the, that was the thing. That's no longer the thing. The transfer portal is the thing now. Because these great schools can go find players that they missed in high school that have gone to smaller schools and made a name for themselves and bring them into your school. And Cal's done some of that. Not enough. Not enough of the players that matter anyway. All right, let's take a break. I'll get off the high horse here. It's a Monday. Uh, Watch the movie over the weekend. You're going to be shocked that I'd never seen this movie. We'll get to that. A couple of shout-outs and more about the NBA Finals tonight. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on The Big Guy. Welcome back. Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio on this Monday. Eminem Cartage hotline is open. 502-384-1450 to join in on the conversation. 384-1450. Thornton's text line open as well. 502-414-1450. Okay. The government is now involved. The uh, U.S. Senate's Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations. I've never heard of that. Dave, you got that one? Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations. That's a good one, right? I don't know what they do. Uh, But they've opened a review of the PGA Tour's planned alliance with the DP World Tour and Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. All right. Connecticut Senator Richard Blumenthal is the chairman of the subcommittee. He notified the PGA Commissioner Jay Monahan. He notified Liv 
uh, leader Greg Norman, Commissioner Greg Norman. Here's a quote from the letter that he sent to both. While few details about the agreement are known, PIF's role as an arm of the Saudi government and PGA Tour's sudden and drastic reversal of position concerning Live Golf raise serious questions regarding the reasons for and terms behind the agreement. He went on to add, PGA Tour's agreement with PIF regarding Live Golf raises concerns about the Saudi government's role in influencing this effort and the risks posed by a foreign government entity assuming control over a cherished American institution. PIF has announced that it intends to use the investments in sports to further the Saudi government's strategic objectives. I said this on Friday and earlier last week. The Saudi Arabia bought the PGA Tour. There's no other way to see this. PGA Tournament, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan told people behind closed doors last week, right after the agreement was announced, that the PGA could not continue, would not survive the amount of money that was going to be taken out of the PGA Tour for litigation purposes. In other words, the ongoing court cases were going to cost the PGA PGA so much money that they could not keep them on going with a public investment fund in Saudi Arabia that has over $700 billion. Couldn't do it. Got to make an agreement. Basically, we, we got a cave here. We cannot afford to go to a litigation war with Saudi Arabia because they got too much money. And now the government's involved. <sighs> I don't like it when the government gets involved in sports, but I think this may be one of those situations where it's a good thing. And this is both sides of the aisle here. Elizabeth Warren, Senator of Massachusetts, is involved in this. This is a subcommittee on investigations that has members from both sides of the aisle. And... Normally, when the government gets involved, I would say they just want their slice, right? But I hope this is a good thing with the U.S. Open, by the way, starting Thursday at Los Angeles Country Club. I checked this morning, by the way. Uh, Scotty Scheffler is the favorite, plus 650. John Rahm is 8-1, to one, and Brooks Kepka is 8.5-1 to one, uh, to win the U.S. Open. Justin Thomas, if you're wondering, 25-1. to one. All right, that just came out. I wasn't even going to talk about Live Golf and PGA Golf today, but uh, that did. Well, I was going to talk a little bit about it. Did you see what happened at the end of the Canadian Open yesterday? Congratulations to Nick Taylor, a Canadian. First Canadian to win that Open Championship since 1953. That's 70 years since a Canadian won their national championship. And when he won it, on a 72-foot putt, by the way, on the fourth playoff hole, it was incredible. When he won it, his countryman, former Louisville golfer, University of Louisville golfer Adam Hadwin, ran out onto the green to celebrate with champagne, bubbly, shaking it up, spraying it, and he was immediately 
decleated by security. They didn't know it was Adam Hadwin. And the security guard, he made a great play on the, about the 20-yard line. He hit Adam Hadwin, and he form-tackled him at the, at the 20. I hope Hadwin can play this week at the U.S. Open because he got hit hard. Immediately, Nick Taylor's caddy and some other PGA officials that were there ran over to the now two security guards who had Adam Hadwin on the ground and were like, hey, what are you doing? This guy is his friend. He's a... Now, I give the security guy a lot of credit. He thought somebody out of the crowd was running in to do who knows what uh, on the green there, to Nick Taylor, to his caddy, whatever. Security was quick. And they were powerful. The Mounties, I'm going to call them. He wasn't on a horse. It wasn't a Royal Canadian, Royal Mounted uh, Canadian Mountie or whatever they call it. What is it, Royal? I don't know. He, he got off his horse. And then he got on his horse, if you know what I mean, running very quickly to tackle Adam Adler. A lot of crazy stuff happened this weekend. In a weekend that there wasn't a whole lot of sports going on, John Sterling got hit by a foul ball. He's 83 years old, uh, radio voice of the New York Yankees. And if you haven't w- seen the video of it, which there is one of, or haven't heard the audio, check it out. Because Sterling's calling the play, 3-2 pitch, fouled off, up this way, and then all of a sudden you hear him go, Ow! Ow! It, it hit me! The ball bounced right in front of him on his desk and glanced off his forehead. He's 83. He's 83. Um, Find the video. The audio is great, but find the video because because he was okay. By the way, he finished calling that at bat at the end of the inning. He finished that at bat. He finished the game. None the worse for wear. Um, and once you know he's okay, you're going to laugh at this video. It is very funny. Um, so congratulations to Nick Taylor, and obviously we hope Adam Hadwin is okay as uh, he took the brunt of the security force at uh, in Toronto. All right, NBA tonight. First of all, let me throw a couple of shout-outs. Happy birthday, Phoenix Hill Richard. Phoenix Hill Richard, a contributor to this show, texts me almost on a daily basis. Um, it's his birthday. And I would be remiss if I did not send out a shout-out to a friend of the show, Phoenix Hill Richard. Some of you may know who he is, his real, what his real name is, who he is. I'm not giving that out over the air. Great dude. I consider him a brother. Uh, so happy birthday to Phoenix Hill Richard. Also, hello to Tucson, Arizona. I got a call last night from my buddy Slugger. He said, how far away is your furthest listener live? How far away does that person live? I said, I don't know. I don't have any idea. You got a, you got a podcast, you know, you put it on, twi- it's on Twitter. People can listen anywhere. He told me his nephew listens in Tucson, Arizona. Paul Pierce, not that Paul Pierce. Not the Celtic legend, not the former University of Kansas Jayhawk, but Slugger's nephew, Paul Pierce. Now, I don't know if he listens live. Maybe if he listens live, he should text me, 414-1450. Just give me a, sh- give me a hello. 
But uh, hello, that's a shout-out, Paul Pierce. You listen in Tucson, Arizona, anywhere west of the Rockies, I'm going to give you a shout-out. I'm going to give you a shout-out. So, uh, (laughs) oh, my gosh. So, hello, Paul Pierce. Even if you're listening on the podcast, we appreciate it. All right, NBA tonight, Miami and Denver, game five. I said it earlier, this thing's over. If it ends tonight, so be it. But Nikola Jokic is going to etch his name into history tonight because we don't put him in the same category, I said this Friday, as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Shaquille O'Neal or Akeem Olajuwon. We don't put him in the in the category of great centers. First of all, he's not a classic center. He's not a back-to-the-basket guy. He's an assist guy. He'll play at the top of the key. He'll go down low when he feels like it. He'll shoot the three-pointer. But he's a two-time MVP, back-to-back. Could have been a three-time MVP this year. If somebody like, I don't know, NBA analyst Mark Jackson would have even put him on the ballot, which he didn't, 10-person ballot. Accidentally, says Mark Jackson. He apologized. And Jokic does not win the MVP, even if Mark Jackson remembers to put him on the ballot, even first place. But he came close to a three-peat. He is going to be the MVP of the NBA Finals whenever that ends, whether it be tonight or uh, later in the week or next weekend. He's going to be NBA Finals MVP. He's in rarefied air here. And here's where it's different. It's different because, kind of like Kareem, he doesn't care to have the spotlight. He doesn't. He wants to win. Then he wants to go home, hang out with his wife, hang out with his kid, hang out with his horses. We learned that this past week. Jump in the pool as uh, the tweet from Kevin Durant. I don't know why Kevin Durant took this tweet down. It was from, uh, from a long time ago. But at one time, Kevin Durant tweeted out, Jokic is just a player who wants to do his job, go home and FaceTime his horses, and then jump in the pool. He doesn't care about going out and making a name for himself any other way on social media or, or in the public eye. He's different. He's different. He didn't grow up in AAU circles. He played water polo until he was mid-teen years. Water polo. Think about that. It has helped his game because when he stands out top with the ball over his head and then makes a quick pass, it looks like a guy that played water polo throwing a pass down by the net. That's what it looks like. Water Polo helped him become the great player he is. He's never going to jump over the Shepherdsville phone book. He's never going to outrun you in a 40-yard dash. He's not going to be a typical superstar. But he's great in his own way. 23-12 and 12 on Friday night. And that's not considered a great game. But they won by 13. He didn't have to have... A great game. He let his teammates, Gordon, Aaron Gordon had 27. That's that third guy I talk about all the time. You know what you're going to get out of Jokic? You know what you're usually going to get out of Murray? Who's the third guy? It was Aaron Gordon. It was Bruce Brown. He had 21. Murray only had 15, but he had 12 assists. 
The best player on the Heat has been Bam Adebayo. He went 20-11 and 11 on, on uh, Friday night. Starting backcourt for the Heat, Max Struess and Gabe Vincent combined for two points. By the way, Tyler Hero has been upgraded to questionable tonight. He may play for the Miami Heat. It can't hurt. Now, you don't want him to re-injure that broken hand, but it can't hurt if he plays. You can't, you know, if you lose game five, it's the same thing you did in games one, three, and four. It can't hurt to have him on the on the court. Over under tonight for the Joker, 29 and a half points. This is points. He might have 29 rebounds, but his over under and points, 29 and a half. Jimmy Butler, 26 and a half. Jamal Murray, 25 and a half. Bam out of bio, 20 and a half. Those are your over unders tonight. I'm going to take Miami in the nine. I don't think they win. I think the NBA season ends tonight. With a Denver victory, I'm going to say somewhere in the area of 112 to 105. Somewhere right, I'm going to write that down just in case I'm right, Dave. 112, 105. Miami covers, maybe a backdoor cover. Denver wins their first championship in 47 years in the NBA. Remember, this is one of those teams that came over from the old American Basketball Association, where the Kentucky Colonels played and the. Spirits of St. Louis and the San Diego Conquistadors, the Virginia Squires. But Denver's never won an NBA championship. That could change tonight. 8.30 ABC. Over-under, by the way, is 209 in that game. All right, we'll take a break. Talk a little Major League Baseball on the other side. Some other news and notes as well. I do stuff to tell you about the movie that I watched for the first time this weekend. You're listening to Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. John Spears in studio on this Monday, final segment. Tony Burke may or may not be in studio tomorrow. No show Wednesday, Bats Baseball with a noon start against St. Paul. Just doing some uh, cleaning up here. The uh, M&M Courage Hotline open, 502-384-1450. Last chance for that to join in on the conversation. Also, last chance to get your text into the show on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. All right, I finished Barry this week. Dave, shake your head. Seen Barry? Never seen it. Oh, okay. Bill Hader, um, the guy that played Jimmy James in News Radio. What's his name? I can't remember his name. Um, great first two seasons. There was comedy mixed in with the darkness. The last two seasons, now it's four seasons, eight episodes each. So 32 total shows. And it got dark. And it got dark without the comedy of the first two seasons. Was Henry uh, Winkler in that? Henry Winkler was great in it. Um, Didn't like the way it ended. Didn't like the way it ended. I'm I'm not going to spoiler it here for you because it's still, the fourth season's still fairly recent. So people may not have gotten to it. But, um, yeah, that last season got, they do a time shift, like, Season three ended, and then season four picks up like eight years later. I don't like it when they do that. 
You know, all of a sudden he's married, he's got a kid, and you're going, what, what? First season, the first episode of season four, you're going, what the hell's going on here? Um, but, you know, Chechen crime family involved here. Uh, basically, the story is Bill Hader's a hitman who doesn't want to do it anymore. He just doesn't want to do it. And he wants to be an actor. He gets into this acting class accidentally. Henry Winkler's the teacher. And hilarity ensues the first couple of seasons. And then it gets grim. But I had, it's one of those things, I'm one of those people, I got to finish it. Got to finish it. You know, I'm midway through season three going, man, I don't like the way this is going. So then when season three ends, I watch a retrospective where Hader actually says in an interview, yeah, we lost the comedy. There's going to be more comedy in season four. He was lying. There was not any comedy in season four. Uh, and maybe they pigeonholed, they got themselves into a pigeonhole. They couldn't come back from it, but I uh, didn't like the, the way it ended. So I would I recommend it? I'm going to go with no, uh, because as glorious as I thought it was in those first two seasons, and with humor mixed in with the with the uh, hitman aspect, uh, boy, after that, mm, not good. Uh, then I watched a movie this weekend that I'd never seen. Academy Award-winning movie. A Western. That, that narrows it down. Clint Eastwood, Gene Hackman, Morgan Freeman, Unforgiven. I would watch it again right now if you put it in front of me. I don't know why I waited so long, um, but it was great. Clint Eastwood, it's hard to go wrong with Clint Eastwood. He's 93 now. But, I mean, I can put in any Dirty Harry movie. Some of them are campy, you know, sudden impact. and Some of them aren't as good as the original Dirty Harry, but some of them are. The Enforcer I thought was great. Um, The one where he's a crotchety old man on his porch uh, Grand Torino I like that even when he tries to do comedy Bronco Billy right I'm not a Bronco Billy fan yeah, every which way, way but loose, loose. did you see that cry macho. have you seen cry macho? I, I, you know what that's the one I tried and I couldn't get yeah, through it don't watch that I couldn't get through it Dave he I takes I, his shirt off I like the mule when he's a uh, a drug no, I'm, I'm sorry, transporter. I'm of the mule. That's the one. I, yeah, that's the one. I, I like the mule. Cry Macho. I agree. If you're on Cry Macho here, I was like, oh, I don't get it. I haven't seen Cry Macho. It was the mule I was thinking about. He takes his shirt off. No one needs uh, to see that at his age. Well, you know, uh, it, it was a it was a daring move. But he's an actor, Dave. It, it's it was part of his craft. I love when they say that. It's part of my craft. No, you're the director, Clint. You're the one that says, hey, Clint, ain't got to take your shirt off? The answer should have been, no, Clint, I don't think I should take my shirt. But Unforgiven is unforgettable. Uh, it was great. So I, if you haven't seen it, um, I recommend it highly. Gene Hackman as the bad guy. Ooh. Ooh. You forget he doesn't act anymore. Uh, he retired from acting. He's still still kicking it. I'd love to see him get back in for one last go. All right, um, so that's what I did this weekend. Not a lot of sports. I did I did get to watch Ellie De La Cruz. He is he is must watch TV. 
because he actually said after the game Saturday, I'm the fastest man on the on the planet. He's not. He was laughing when he said it. I mean, he was asked directly by Jim Day in the post game, are you the fastest guy? I'm, he said, I'm the fastest man on the planet, and he started laughing. But he might be the fastest guy in Major League Baseball. He uh, he scored Sunday on a ground from third on a ground ball to a drawn-in infield where there is no way he should have scored. But he did. Um, first ball he ever hit in the Major Leagues was 112 miles an hour off the bat. And if he'd hit it up higher, it would have it might have ended up in the Ohio River. Instead, he one-hopped the wall with it. He is incredible. The Reds took two of three from St. Louis. They are now in third place in the National League Central, four games under 500, and four games behind the Pittsburgh Pirates. By the way, the Brewers, who are thought to be the best team in the National League Central, they got swept by the Oakland A's this weekend. Oakland is now 17-50. and 50. They've won five straight, which means they were 12 and 50 less than a week ago. Shake up the A's. I'm waiting for the A's Kansas City Royals series because one team has 17 wins, one team has 18 wins. There is nobody even close to that low in the rest of the league. But the A's sweep the Brewers, the Reds take two of three. The Pirates took two of three against the Mets. Boy, the Mets have just fallen. They are they got the same record as Cincinnati. But the problem is they're in a division where they're nine and a half back. The Reds are only four back. I told you last week, I went over and bet the Reds to win the division. When I did it, it was right after De La Cruz came up, and they were 22 to one. As of Friday, they were down to 15 to one. I don't know what it is now. Again, Scooter gets on me for value bets. Uh, that's a great value bet. You're not going to win value bets, but it's it is a value bet. I got them at 22 to one, and guess what? They're as good as anybody in that division. The Cubs stink. The Cardinals are are awful. Uh, the Brewers just got swept by Oakland and Pittsburgh. I like them, but can they keep this up? They're 34 and 30. They're 34 and 30. Here's what you need to do a deep dive on: is the schedule. Because it's different this year. You're not playing your divisional opponents 19 times. You're only playing them 13 times, which means if you're in the National League Central or the American League Central, the two worst divisions in baseball, you have to play more games against better teams than you did in the past. And that's going to catch up with Pittsburgh. And it might catch up with Cincinnati. It's, you know, it. I don't know. It's all about when you play these teams. When are you playing the Braves? When are you playing uh, the the Tampa Bay Rays? When are you playing the Rangers? When are you playing the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks, all these teams with, with really good records? Some of these teams haven't played those teams yet. So if Pittsburgh hasn't played those teams yet, obviously they're probably going to lose some games coming up here. Uh, but the Reds take two out of three in St. Louis. De La Cruz is fun to watch. There were only two sweeps this weekend. Arizona swept Detroit. They scored four in the ninth yesterday to beat Detroit seven to five. Oh, Tigers. So Arizona with a three-game sweep. By the way, the Diamondbacks are three and a half games ahead of the Dodgers 
in the National League West. Who saw that coming? Everybody loves the Dodgers. Everybody was on the Padres this year. They're three under 500. The Giants always get a look because they're the Giants. But it's the Arizona Diamondbacks who are 40 and 25, which is tied for the best record in the National League with Atlanta. The other sweep, of course, was Oakland over Milwaukee. Ooh, that's crazy. Reds are in Kansas City tonight. Luke Weaver will go against Zach Greinke. Weaver 1 and 2, 627 ERA. Greinke is 1 and 6 for Kansas City, 459 ERA. And this is an opportunity for Cincinnati to make up some ground here. Make up some ground. Because they're playing a bad team, a Kansas City team that's only won 18 games. Uh, and in the meantime, Milwaukee is in Minnesota to start a series. Minnesota leads the American League Central. Not doesn't have a great record, but Minnesota's a good team, whereas Kansas City is not. And Pittsburgh, let's see, where's Pittsburgh at this week? They're in, they're in Wrigley. Yeah, so they might have an easier time. They're in Wrigley taking on the Cubs. American League, it's all about the Tampa Bay Rays still. They're 48-20. and 20. They took two out of three from... AL West leader Texas this weekend. So the Rays have 48 wins. That's seven more than anybody else in the league. Baltimore, who's in second place in the AL East, and Texas have 41 wins. And I mentioned earlier uh, Atlanta and Arizona with 40 wins. But 48 and 20, that's the, uh, that's the Rays record. They are on pace to win 106 and a half games. I don't know how they're going to win that half game. But when they do, I want to see it. But they're on pace to win 106. That's uh, That would be glorious. But as we've seen in the past, when the playoffs roll around, those 106 regular season wins don't mean a whole lot. Ask the Seattle Mariners 2001, I, w- I want to say, when they won 112. That didn't really matter. Uh, the Yankees lost two of three to the Red Sox. The Red Sox only beat the Yankees twice in Yankee Stadium last year in 10 meetings. They won two out of three in Yankee Stadium this weekend. Yankees are without Aaron Judge. They're without Harrison Bader. That's two-thirds of their outfield. Giancarlo Stanton just came back. Uh, Hicks was traded. They can't score. They can't score. The uh, Yankees scored two, three, and two against the Red Sox this weekend. They were lucky to win one of those games. They are 38 and 29 still. I don't know how. I got to give Aaron Boone credit. That's a bad offense that's got 38 wins, but they're nine and a half behind Tampa Bay. Uh, Blue Jays had a decent week after a team meeting. They've, uh, let's see. They've won seven out of ten, even though they lost two out of three to Minnesota this weekend. All right, Tony Burke may or may not join me in studio tomorrow. We're keeping that a secret. Not going to let you know. You're on a need-to-know basis only. We will recap the NBA Game 5. Give me Miami and the nine points tonight. Why not? I've been stuck on that record for a week now, week and a half. I might as well stick with it. 
See you tomorrow. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big Act.